Hello and welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. My name is Zach Falcon of Barfield. I am a 1PG, the founder of the Perfect Gentleman, and alongside me is the incredibly agile and supremely dapper Mr. James Marwood. Thank you very much, sir. I think the evidence of my boxing training this morning would put the lie to the point about agile. But I I try. No, no, no. Extremely agile within parameters. (laughs) Yes, for a given value of agile. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's the way to do it. I'm extremely fit within these parameters. I was doing boxing training this morning. We were doing different rounds, and between rounds, we were doing running up and down the stairs. That was our rest, and I've never felt so ungainly in my life. And the guys I was training with were sprinting up and down like antelopes, and I'm lumbering up like an elephant. They're all about 10 years younger than me, so I'm just glad I can get to the end without dying. I always feel good when I kind of go, oh, I've done that, and I'm at least... I'm 10 or 20 years older than the person next to me. So today, it's the 1st of September. We go into a new month. We should start with a little um, conversation about maybe food. Yes. Well, this is a great time of year for it. I always, It always seems to grab me at the, at the end of summer where I just want to start cooking. And I want to start cooking all of the things that I that I really like, all the, the stews and the pies and casseroles and roasts and things like that, because it's the food I like. This is a great time of year, if, especially if you're not an experienced cook. That sort of autumnal cooking is a really great way to get into it, because it's quite simple, and then you can start to complicate it as you learn more. As we previously discussed many times on the podcast, we are both foodies and we're both cooks of reasonable calibre, I think. We, we, we can hold our own. We're not going to appear on MasterChef, but no. we wouldn't be kicked out of a restaurant, let's put it that way. You worked in restaurants for a long time. I think, I mean, your family had, had restaurants. We did. My uh, family had a vegetarian restaurant. It was one of the first ones in London. And then we had another restaurant as well. My mother said to me, you know, if you want pocket money, go work in the restaurants. So I did everything from peel and chop 50 kilogram bags of carrots all the way to sous chef and serve and all that sort of stuff. And my mother's a cordon bleu trained chef. So I learned at her feet. So I love cooking. I've cooked in restaurants. So I currently, three times a year, I do about 200 covers. So that means 200 people I cook for three times a year uh, for a bit of charity, which is um, fun. Keeps my little hand in, but I love cooking. In fact, I made just the other day, I experimented with something new. I made homemade bounty bars. I don't know if bounty bars are really available internationally, but they're a chocolate bar, a candy bar, that's primarily coconut. Coconut covered in chocolate. They're my mum's favourite, actually. Well, they're mine too, so I love coconut. So I thought, rather than buy them, I thought I'd make some, because it is relatively simple. In fact, it's really easy. I bet they were great. They were good. It's just desiccated coconut. I uh, experimented, but uh, I shall experiment some further, but it's basically desiccated coconut, either condensed milk or coconut milk, a little bit of uh, flavouring to your taste, whether that's... Uh, honey or maple syrup or vanilla or whatever. Mix it all together. Put it in the fridge in little in your little bars. Melt some chocolate, either dark or milk, depending on your predilection, and then dunk the uh, solid coconut blocks in the chocolate, melted chocolate, and put it back in the fridge. Wait a couple of hours until it's solidified. That sounds brilliant. It's very easy. I might experiment. I might do a half coconut milk, half condensed milk mixture. It needed to be a little bit sweeter. That would work. Did you learn to cooking just from working with your mum and being in the restaurant? Yeah, predominantly that's where I started. I watched my mum because my mum was a single parent. My mother was working and we would come home and, and look after ourselves. And my stepbrother and myself and my younger brother would end up cooking pretty much from, I can't remember, I think about 11 or 12 years old we started cooking. And since then, I haven't stopped really. I've, I've loved cooking. I love cookery books. I love cookery programs. I can sit quite happily down and watch them 
back-to-back cookery programs and make notes in my little notebook. Oh, that's really interesting. Well, maybe I should do that. Cooking's all, really, for me, is all about, once you've mastered the basics, is just experimentation. I have some friends who are great cooks, but some who don't do it, guys and girls, and who learned a very close friend of mine. I taught her to cook a casserole when she very first moved out of home many years ago, and that was the first time she'd ever really cooked anything, especially anything involving raw meat. And then she took some college courses to learn how to cook, and now she has a list of about 12 recipes she can do, and only those 12, because she's nervous about experimenting, which is a shame, because when you cook things, sometimes it's going to go wrong, and sometimes it's going to be, you're going to have to throw something out and say, actually, I'm going to call a pizza or we're just going to have sandwiches now. When you do those experiments, often you end up with something that's completely wonderful that you never would have thought. I always say start with casseroles or what, what I call one pot cooking. If you can do one pot cooking, then you can do everything else. And you don't need to do really complex stuff, starting with things like basic bolognese ragout. You know, that's a, actually a really simple starting point for a meal and very tasty and then you just throw some pasta in the uh, in the boiling water and away you go cooking is is a great skill that certainly gentlemen should learn you could have a a set range of dishes that you're confident and capable at and that that's a good place to start and then when you get more confident you can add to those those range of dishes and and keep on going um i always remember when i first started in the dating world many years ago i always loved to cook for my dates which always surprised them. And I think they were A, surprised that I could cook as well as I did, but also the fact that I would plan menus. I would actually sit there and go, that's the starter, that's the main course, that's the dessert, and make sure that it was acceptable for them and tasty as well. There's a lot of pleasure, I think, in cooking for people you like, friends, family, loved ones, romantic partners. There's just something about the the satisfaction of preparing something that they then enjoy and hopefully devour. It's one of my great pleasures. Not so much now because a lot of my friends have children so don't get to do it so much, but dinner parties. And there could be something as simple as I'm going to cook burgers and wedges and maybe make some spiced beans and some dips or something like that, relatively simple TV-type food. Or it could be something as complex as I'm going to cook three courses and prepare my own dessert and we'll have all of that. I love doing it. Cooking for other people is lovely. I have to say, though, cooking for 200 or cooking in restaurants I don't find enjoyable as much. <laughs> no. Then it's an industrial thing. But if you're cooking for, you know, a dinner party or some friends or making stuff for a barbecue or the weather holds out, we could get another barbecue in September. Um, as you say, it's making that food for other people and letting them enjoy it. And also you enjoy the pleasure of them enjoying it. It's surprising to me when I run into people who don't think cooking is a, is a man's job or don't think a man should cook or would cook. A few weeks back, my partner had had a lot of her family come to visit. So we had her sister, her niece and her son's girlfriend. So I had a house full of ladies and they had a, a long journey up. We'd, some of them had travelled from France and from out in the sticks on the south coast of England. And they all came up to our house in the northeast. And the next morning I'd asked my other half niece what it was she what she most wanted because she she's not been in the UK for a long time and she said that what she really wanted was a proper English breakfast I got up a little bit earlier in the morning had all the ingredients ready and I cooked a full English and they were taken aback at the fact that I would cook like that I, I love doing that and when I'm working at home alone if my other half's away or if I'm if I'm traveling I miss cooking I have friends who pretty much live off pre-prepared food either food that's takeaways or, or they're buying stuff just to stick in the oven or the microwave it's not healthy for a start and it's so expensive to eat like that and it's so boring 
I remember hearing the story of a friend of mine going shopping for the first time with his now wife. He was doing his shop like he would normally as a bachelor. So he was buying hot dogs and beans and crisps and chocolate and filled it up. And then they went to the to the checkout car and said, oh, are you having a children's party? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's a bit of fun at his expense. But now I've been to their house for dinner a, a few times. Lucy, she's a fantastic cook, fantastically healthy. They're both super fit. They're both martial artists and athletes. Learning to cook and doing more cooking like that has improved their lives. It's a skill that you can take anywhere. You can go anywhere in the world and cook. Also professionally, that's a, that's a whole different level of cooking. But just being able to cook means that you can sustain yourself relatively cheaply anywhere in the world, rather than eating, as you said, prepared food or takeaways or, or restaurants. Or We've all done it and we all do do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you have the ability to do it, you can cook really quick meals very simply, very easily. Throwing pasta in some boiling water, chopping up some onions, garlic and bacon and a little bit of fresh tomato and throwing that together into a pasta. I mean, these are things are so simple. A lot of it is just timing. Everyone says roasts are really complicated. Actually, roasts are really easy. Roasts are all about timing and getting the timing right and working backwards from your your point of origin, your point of dinner serving. I did Christmas dinner the year before last, and I did 11 for Christmas dinner, gammon, and beef and turkey, all the accoutrements and the side orders and the, and the Yorkshires and the roasties. And that's how I planned it. You know, I started that we were going to sit down at 2 o'clock. The roast meat would need 20 minutes to rest, and therefore it would need this long to cook and then these various things. And it becomes a, it effectively becomes a project management problem at that stage. There's no real skill to it, so long as you can prepare your food ahead of time, have it all ready, put it in in the right order. Everyone looks at you like you're some kind of wizard. But actually, it's relatively straightforward and you've produced an amazing meal and everyone's really happy and you get to enjoy them being happy. What is your favourite currently? Because it changes, I know, because it changes with me. But what's currently your favourite dish to cook? I go through spells of trying to get to a level that I'm really happy with with a particular dish. So I spent a while doing it with lasagna, with fish pie, with with bolognese. Milk is my secret to my bolognese. That's a good secret. Last 10 minutes, just a little splash of milk in. Where I'm working on at the moment, and I I think I'm almost there with being happy with it, is rabbit casserole or rabbit pie. Oh, nice. It was something I used to cook as a boy. I learned to cook because for quite a lot of years, my mum suffered quite badly with arthritis. She couldn't actually do the physical aspects of cooking. So she would talk me through what to do and tell me step by step. And I was only sort of six or seven when this was was happening. Rabbit casserole was one of the things that she taught me to cook, but I hadn't cooked it really since childhood. Rabbit just became less less easy to get hold of. And it's still not, not that easy. I tried a few times getting rabbit casserole. I couldn't get it quite how I remembered it from childhood. And so I've been doing experimenting, but the the two secrets I think I've found with that is or three things really. One is you cook it low and slow for as long as you can as long as you can bear to, to smell it. And then you can stave off putting it out of the oven and diving in. Um one is to get wild rabbit, if you possibly can, because wild rabbit tastes an awful lot better than than farmed rabbit. It's like the difference between a free range chicken and a farm chicken, or between like breast meat and leg meat. And then the final secret is black pudding. Now, a lot of people don't like black pudding, but I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like black pudding for a lot of years, but the way I do this is you take your black pudding, which is blood sausage, if you're not aware of it, blood sausage made with grain and a little bit of pork fat and kind of formed into the sausage shape, and you cut slices off. So you peel off the skin, so cut a few slices, peel off the skin, and then I pop it in the blender. So I end up with, a, with quite a fine powder. And then that goes in my, my sauce about an hour before the end. It just cooks away. And you end up with this beautifully rich, 
thick, tasty gravy, but you don't have that excessive richness that you can get that can be overpowering with black pudding, and you don't get the bits of it that might put someone off if they were a little squeamish. That's my current favourite. How about you, Zach? What do you like to cook? Well, I love to cook many things. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> like you, I do tend to do sort of, oh, I'll work on something, I'll work on something, I'll work on something. Previously, it's been risotto and paella, curry and, and all that sort of stuff. When the winter comes and sets in a bit more, I'm going to perfect a few stews, especially dumplings. I haven't perfected dumplings yet. I, I used to do it many years ago, but I haven't done it for a while. So I wanted to sort of get some hot pots and stews and things like that because I haven't done those in a while. So... That's going to be my uh, autumn to winter experiment. Risotto is one of my my favourites. One of my um, ones that I'm working on at the moment is a a pumpkin, because we're in that period of time, you know, into sort of September, October, pumpkin and pancetta risotto. It takes a little time, unfortunately, because you do have to roast the pumpkin first, some oil, salt and pepper in the in the oven and roast it till it's nice and soft, scoop out, blend the innards so it's nice and soft and light. And then into a dish, some uh, finely chopped white onion. As we, we, we've discussed previously, not one clove of garlic. At least three cloves of garlic. Um, uh, sidebar story, but we, we've talked about this before, James and I, but there is no such thing as one clove of garlic in any recipe. If it says one clove of garlic, use two for safety. That's right. Absolutely. You don't want to under garlic. I grew up with garlic. My mother one day got this lovely piece of steak and basically put about seven cloves of garlic in this piece of steak. Oh. So yes, little white onion, garlic, fry off the pancetta in that as well. So the pancetta oil goes into the, the onions and garlic. Add the uh, risotto rice in. Uh, we'll use some white wine because you're supposed to keep liquid mm-hmm. in the risotto. Um, yes. And then some uh, vegetable stock to top mm-hmm. it up, but a little bit. Uh, when it gets to a nice, you know, the rice is starting to give a little bit. And put the pumpkin in, stir that through, and then top it off for the last 10 minutes of the risotto cooking with some double cream. Oh, that's good. It's naughty, but good. It's naughty, but good, but it really gives it a nice texture to it. So there you go, that's a little risotto dish that I'm working on. And sometimes it is that simple. I, I like the simplicity of some dishes. So. There's a recipe actually my, my other half-sister taught me when she was visiting, which you would probably quite like. A Brazilian dish, and I've talked about Brazilian dishes in a, a couple of episodes ago, but it's called arroz uh, caratejo or cajatejo, which is basically trucker's rice. It's a really simple, so you use basmati rice and you can use American rice, but I think basmati gives it nice flavour. Basmati is the best rice. I think so. Unless you need a specialist rice for risotto or, or paella or something like that or sushi. For general purpose, rice duties, basmati. You cook that with onions, garlic and salt. There's a traditional Brazilian spice called tempero casejo, basically an onion, spice and garlic mix, but I just sliced finely choice the, the onions, mash up the garlic and, and, and some salt. Bacon, sweet peppers, so bell peppers, a mixture of colours, and then what in Brazil is called carne seca, which is dried meat, but you can do it with either jerky or you can fry up some meat beforehand, so beef normally. Well, I suppose it would work with biltong as well. Biltong, you could do it with any kind of dried meat. It was a travelling man's dish, and it was something he could cook. So he could, you know, he could have his dried rice and his dried meat, and then just buy some onions and some garlic on the way, or take his campeo casejo and cook it all up himself. And that's the, sort of the traditional recipe. But my half sister added in uh, a little bit of chili, which just pepped it up a bit. It was really, really tasty. Very, very simple. What's quite nice is you make loads eat half of it and then the half you've saved you can eat out all of the bits of meat so you've just got the veg and rice left pop it in the blender the next day form that into little balls with cheese in the center so put a little piece of soft cheese and then deep fry those 
It's like it's like arancini. It's kind of yes. It's basically it's just like a small arancini. So it's about probably an inch or so in diameter, a couple of centimeters. They're great. Cook up a load of those, leave them to cool just slightly. Bit of salt and pepper on, and in front of the TV with a beer. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Our wonderful partners, the English Cream Tea Company, deliver a fresh take on tradition. The English Cream Tea Company offers quintessentially British gifts. Choose from the freshly prepared afternoon tea hampers to be hand-delivered right to your door throughout mainland UK, or select from a range of gift vouchers. There are also postable gifts of award-winning chocolate brownies, tea, delicious shortbread, and even cheese-please tuck-tins with delicious cheese scones and chutney. After all, the perfect gentleman needs to be able to send the perfect gift, whether it's to say thank you, congratulations, or season's greetings. And the English Cream Tea Company supplies that, complete with your own personalised gift message. Who do you know who would not love the gift of afternoon tea? So go to theenglishcreamtea.com for a charming touch of British indulgence. In the UK, for our foreign listeners, there's a TV show here called Saturday Kitchen, great staple of my Saturday mornings. They do it food heaven and food hell. So you have an ingredient which is your food heaven and which is your food hell. So, James, what is your food heaven and what is your food hell? I think I would probably go for at the moment, especially coming into autumn, and it's it's terrible, but corned beef. Oh, okay, nice. I really like good quality corned beef and the, the the recipe i've got in my mind at the moment which is one um is, is, is a childhood comfort food recipe is a traditional northeastern dish called panagalty or panhaggerty which is corned beef root vegetables in slices topped with potato cooked in a in a big tray in the oven so you have slices of corned beef and, and vegetables in stock and then slices of potato over the top and if you're partial feeling a bit flush you can put cheese or bacon on the top cook it in the oven and then finish it under the grill and that's one of my favourite, when I'm tired and I'm fed up, I've had a long day at work and I just want comfort food to make me feel like I'm getting a cuddle from the inside. That's what I want. And for food hell, raw tomato. Okay, I didn't know about that. I love the taste of cooked tomato, the bitterness and the the little chips of wood in mucus that you get inside gut. <laughs> tomato. I just, I loathe it. And I feel like such a child for saying it. <laughs> you know, that I have this terribly unrefined palate, but I would much rather have... You know, tomato ketchup than raw tomato. Okay, that's cool. Excellent. How about you, my friend? Food heaven has to be cheese. I could not live without cheese. I could have cheese with pretty much anything. Any kind of cheese? Yeah, pretty much. I don't think there's a type of cheese that I've come across yet that I dislike. So talking about comfort cheese recipes, what Americans call grilled cheese and we call a cheese toasty. A good one of those is perfection. This was something I had a debate on with my mum the other day because she always makes hers in the grill and I make mine in a pan. How do you do yours? Depends uh, on two things. I've done both. If I'm making Welsh rabbit or um, I'm doing a cheese and Marmite toasty, that's a great combination. If you like Marmite, it's one of the best. I do that in the uh, grill. So some people might not know what Marmite is. Oh, Marmite is a yeast extract spread, which is popular in the UK. It has a catchphrase of love it or hate it yes because it has a very strong taste it has a very very strong taste but it's, it goes phenomenally well with a good cheese it's almost pure umami savory flavor i love it but it's like wasabi it's that kind of not spicy but it's that kind of very just a solid block of flavor so i do those in the grill but on the pan i'll make a grilled cheese so i'll do something like with grated red leicester a bit of tomato, uh, a little bit of uh, mustard and mayonnaise mix, butter on the top and the bottom of the bread, and put that in the uh, in the frying pan. That's a good one. And you just wait till the cheese melts in the centre. 
that of sitting down and watching some television with a, in your case, a beer. In my case, it would be a Coca-Cola or a glass of water or something. And then my food, hell, I dislike a lot of the so-called sort of luxury foods. Don't like asparagus at all. Combination of texture and taste for me. Just the texture of it always just makes me. And artichoke. I can understand Both that. Both of those yeah. I, I, I dislike. The sophisticated palate I don't have. <laughs> I don't particularly like olives. And I feel... Often, like I said, like a child. It feels like I should have a more sophisticated palate, but actually, no, I'm fine with that. I'm with you on olives. Cooked olives, fine. Raw olives can't do. My other half loves them. She can eat them by the handful. I would be with you. I would much rather have a cheese toasty. Here we go. On that note, <laughs> I think you and I are off to make cheese toasties. What's going to be in yours? Well, I've got some very mature red leicester that i got from the cheese shop at the victorian market in newcastle and there's a really good cheese merchant there and they do a fantastic very mature almost a hooligan strength red leicester so i think i'm going to have that but i'm going to try your trick with the mayonnaise and the uh, mustard mixed together you can substitute grated tomato because you grate the tomato as well because that works that might work actually i don't mind the flesh so much if you're not that a grated carrot as well okay just like a cheese savory yeah you want something sweet the sweetness of a tomato or the sweetness of a carrot just offsets the lovely tanginess of, of red lister i might do a gruyere and ham one my mouth's watering now. <laughs> Everyone out there in podcast land, I hope you enjoyed our talk about food. We'll probably have another food one because we're both mad foodies. So tell us what your cheese toasty recipe would be or a grilled cheese recipe would be. Drop us a line at inquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv or let us know what your cheese toasty recipe is on social media. That's The Perfect Gentleman, either on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. We always appreciate your messages. We do listen. We do indeed. And actually, if, if anyone has really good cheese toasty recipes, I'll be all over those. <laughs> our tummies are grumbling now, so on our way to make the cheese toasties, thank you as ever, Mr. Marwood. And thank you, Zach. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Take care. Take care. Goodbye. Our partners, Hawes and Curtis, are a British brand with more than 100 years of heritage and tailoring. In 1913, Ralph Hawes and George Frederick Curtis opened their first store in London's Piccadilly Arcade at the corner of German Street, renowned for its resident shirt makers. From the beginning, Hawes and Curtis attracted famous clientele, including the Duke of Windsor, Cary Grant and Fred Astaire, dapper gentlemen all. As a result of Hawes and Curtis' commitment to impeccable service and product excellence, the brand has been awarded four royal warrants. Today, Hawes and Curtis offers extensive menswear and women's wear collections, providing customers with complete looks for a whole variety of occasions. Please head over to their website, www.hawesandcurtis.co.uk. This podcast is brought to you by the Perfect Gentleman Group Limited and was edited by Andy Nickel at the Pistachio Palace.